turn, go ahead and get it ready. We're going to be there in John chapter 4. Uh, as I mentioned last week, we were going to be in John chapter 4. I said last week for three weeks, it's going to be four. Because today's sermon, if you look in the outline, we're only going to look at the first point of the outline that's there. So it's three points. Next week we're going to look at the last two points of the outline. So so we'll have an extra week in, in John chapter 4. There was a Sunday school teacher once that at the end of her Sunday school lesson asked this question. Uh, and she asked it because she wanted to see if the kids kind of gathered and, and figured out what she had talked about. Wanted to make sure they understood the point of her lesson. So so she asked this question, can anyone here name what you have to do to obtain forgiveness of sin? Uh, she was expecting they'd answer right away with the correct answer, and, and there, she was met with silence. Everyone just kind of, that nervous tension when when no one wants to answer, and they all kind of looked at each other, and finally one little boy hesitantly answered, uh, sin? Uh, to get forgiveness of sin, you have to sin, right? Well, that wasn't the answer that she was looking for, but but it is accurate. We we know what the right answer is. Well, what do you have to do to get forgiveness of sins? Well, we know what Scripture says. You have to repent, right? And and I guess if you understand even before that, you have to understand God's grace. Ephesians 2, verse 8 says that we're saved by grace. So we have to understand that God's grace covers us, that what, what Jesus did for us on the cross. And, and if you even step back just a little further, we understand there has to be a conversion process before we can can receive forgiveness of sin we have to be uh we have to be a christian we have to know jesus and have him in our heart and then know that we can have that through uh through repentance but but the reality is they they hit the point we we have to sin now uh, i i don't need to instruct you on how how to sin we we know how to sin uh the truth is some of you do a little bit better job of that than others but we all know how to do it. Please don't look at someone or point when I said that. Uh, I don't need to preach a, a sermon on how to sin in five easy steps or, or, or do a, a sermon on the ABCs of sinning or a five part series, the five steps of an accomplished sinner. We, we, we've got that figured out. We know how to do that. We don't have to work too hard at it. In fact, we know if you know scripture at all, that scripture says that we've all, we've all sinned. Uh, Romans chapter three, verse 23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we know that we are sinners. In, in fact, Scripture tells us that even the church, that even the church is full of sinners. Now I know that because John, uh, the Apostle John, in his letter to the churches, and so, so it's in the book of 1 John, not the gospel that we're at today, but in, in the book of 1 John chapter 1, Starting with verse 8, he says this, and he's talking to the church here. He's talking to believers, so he's, he's like he's talking to us. He says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So so the reality is, even in the church, we, uh, we are sinners. So w- what do you have to do to get forgiveness? Well, I guess you have, ultimately have to sin. Here is a reality, and, and I guess if you catch nothing else this morning, if nothing else goes home with you from today's text, catch this, that Jesus, and we'll see that in the text today, Jesus is comfortable with sinners. Did, did you catch that? That's a note in your bulletin if you want to write that down. Jesus is comfortable with sinners. Now, now, now he doesn't want us to stay that way. He doesn't want us to wallow in our sin. He doesn't want us to be comfortable in it. He doesn't want us to be stuck there. He does want us to leave that life. He wants us 
to move away from a, a life of sin, but Jesus is comfortable with sinners. That's why in John chapter 4, we see Jesus sitting by a well in the city of Sychar in Samaria. We see him sitting there talking with a, a woman. Uh, and as we talked about last week, they're developing a relationship with this woman. Uh, and, and it probably, as we talked about last week, was was probably a, a conversation that shouldn't have taken place. See, see, Jesus really shouldn't have been there. We, we spent some time talking about that, that he should have bypassed Samaria. shouldn't even really have been in Samaria if he'd been following tradition. And, and he really shouldn't have been talking to a woman in public like that. It just kind of wasn't accepted. And and definitely he shouldn't have been talking to her because if anyone knew about sin, if anyone knew what it was like like to live in a life of sin, it was this lady. So as we look today at the story here in John t- chapter 4, we begin to see uh, who Jesus is. We begin to see the heart of Jesus. In church, we are called to follow the heart of Jesus. Last week we saw that Jesus was relational. That, that's what the story was about as it starts off. Jesus found himself in Sychar sitting at, at Jacob's well. This woman comes along at noontime. We talked about last week that she probably was there at noon because she didn't want to be around the other ladies because of, uh, of the life that she had been, been living. So Jesus developed a relationship with her first. And then today we're going to see that Jesus, uh, today and next week, that Jesus became relevant. He, he talked to the need that she had in her life. Jesus sat down and talked with her when probably no one else would have. He developed a relationship. And then Jesus spoke to what she really needed to hear. Jesus spoke to the real issue that was going on in her life, the real hurt or the real pain in her life. He became relevant uh, to her. If you have your Bibles, look with me in John chapter 4. We're going to we're going to kind of bounce around in this text a little bit today, so just kind of hold John 4 open there, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll look at that. Look at verse 10 as we start off here the, this morning. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, we see from this text that she got pretty excited when Jesus offered her living water. Look down at verse at verse 11, there it says this, Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? She was excited. While well, Jesus is going to give me living water, and when I drink of that, I, I won't have to thirst again. I won't drink again. Now flip over uh, or down to verse 15, and, and notice what she says there. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that, that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water from this well. She she was excited when Jesus said, I'm going to give you water and you will not thirst again. Now, I don't know that she understood it. In fact, I'm pretty sure that she probably didn't, but, but she must have been wondering, Jesus, what are you offering? Are you offering some magic water? Some, some magic water. I don't know. Are you going to do a spell on it? Are you going to say some words? She didn't understand it, but it was water that she thought, when I drink this water, I won't get thirsty again. Now, let me ask this question. Uh, for some of you, it's going to be different things, but uh, and at different times. But have you ever got, have you ever got to that place where you're just super, super thirsty, and and you're looking to have have your thirst satisfied? Uh, maybe you're out. Now we 
we're not thinking about that right now, but you're out in the yard, uh, doing, working uh, in the yard, or, or you're in the garden working, or, 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 you're, or you're outside doing something else, or maybe you're, th- this might work, you're at the gym and you're working out and just get really, really hot and really thirsty, and, uh, and, and, and boy, man, I, I just have to, have to have something to satisfy my thirst. So let me ask a question. I'm curious what answers will be. When you get to that place, I mean, you come in from working out in the yard and you are super thirsty, what, what do you drink to satisfy your thirst? Anyone, just throw me out an answer here. I see, I figured that would be the number one answer. Ding, 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 number one answer, you know, pass or play. Okay, uh, uh, what else? Water. Ice water or room temperature? Some people say that. I don't know what, why you guys do that, but ice water, yeah. I love ice water. Anyone else? Any other answer? Diet Mountain Dew for you? Read a Diet Mountain Dew. Woman at my own heart here. Uh, I, anything wet? Okay. That, that is true. Uh, when you're Mexico, that anything wet doesn't include the tap water there. We, we do try to tell people not to, to drink out of a hose or something there. I was wondering, actually, I was wondering if anyone would say beer. Uh, now you know that I, I, I've talked a little bit. I don't, I don't drink, but, uh, but it's okay if other people do. But I've heard, I've had some friends that say, man, when they are really thirsty, a uh, cold beer just really cuts their thirst. That's, I don't know about that. For me, I'm kind of with Rita, but for me, it's a can of real Mountain Dew. Not diet. Now, we don't ever have it there unless the kids have been home, but, but real Mountain Dew, and I chase that with some cold water. Oh, that is great. See, this lady was thinking, wow, I drink this. And it's like a glass of iced tea that does it one time. I, I don't have to drink it again, and I will never thirst again. That's pretty cool. Or maybe she thought, maybe th- she thought that it was going to be something magical about the bucket. He said, "Well, you don't even have a bucket. To, how, the well's deep. How are you going to get this water? You don't have a bucket." Maybe she thought he's going to have this magic bucket, and when she pulls his bucket out of water, and she goes home and she she dips some water out and drinks it it's like the water never left the bucket uh or or she pours it into a pan to to heat over a fire so so that she can uh, can cook or, or or bathe or whatever and when she pours it out she looks back and it's still full cuz she's thinking man if i don't have to go back and get water every day how nice would that be so she's thinking that's kind of what her mind was 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 going well tell me about that cuz i want to know about that water so that I won't thirst again, or I won't have to go to the well a second time, or won't have to go there every day. That's what I want. Now, now we know from the text, if you read it, if you know this story, she was missing the point. Jesus was kind of using an analogy here. He was a play on words, trying to speak to the real need in her life, and she wasn't quite, she wasn't quite getting it. So he, he changes, he changes his tack, he changes his approach. And, and he speaks directly to her. Uh, look at uh, verse 16. Uh, when she said, hey, I want this. Uh, uh, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty. Verse 16, he says, he told her, uh, go call your husband and come back. She answered, I have no husband. Jesus said, are you right when you say you have no husband? In fact, you've had five husbands. The man you're with now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Jesus um, Jesus spoke to really what he was wanting to speak to. Um, we're we're going to look, like I said, today and next Sunday at three simple things that Jesus did. Uh, three three simple lessons that we can learn how Jesus approaches us. And, and then it's important as we understand that's what he does with us, that that's what we need to do.
with other. Here's the first thing we notice from the text that Jesus didn't condone. Jesus didn't condone. He, he didn't accept her sin and say, hey, no problem there. That's okay. Just do what you want to do. Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't condone her sin. In, in fact, what, what we realize there is that Jesus saw a pattern. He saw a pattern in this lady's life and he spoke, uh, by, by being relevant to her, he spoke to the, to what was really going on. He's, he saw this pattern in her life. He saw, he saw the sin in her life. Um, but what he really saw was the pattern of how she was trying to deal with the hurt that she was having in her life. We, see, I, I think we see these verses and we are quick to judge her sin. We're quick to judge her sin because it was, because we think it was sexual in nature. That, that that's what Jesus was uh, was talking about. We we think that because because if that's what was going on, if Jesus is just judging her because of of bad decisions that she made in in kind of a sexual way in a relationship way, then we don't really have to apply that to ourselves. But but I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about. I don't think he was talking about. See, her her, her sexual sin was relevant. It was there, but it simply was the a, a symptom of the real sin in her life. She had a thirst for meaning, for acceptance, for normalcy, for hope, for purpose. And she was trying to satisfy that in all the wrong ways. That's why Jesus, that's why Jesus offered her living water. A water that would help her not thirst again in the way that she had been to that point. See, we need to understand that Jesus never condones sin. He, he doesn't say, hey, to, to each his own. He doesn't say, do, well, just do whatever you want. Uh, he doesn't say, well, find your own path or, or, or this is kind of a new phrase that's come out recently, live your own truth. Uh, now, if you hear that, run away from that, that theology because that's, that, that's, uh, uh, faulty thinking. Jesus never says, hey, it's okay to just keep doing what you're doing. He never condones sin, but, but he does point out that he sees it a different way. Look there at the end of, uh, of verse 18. He says, what you have said is quite true. He, he points out the fact that, yeah, yeah, you do have sin in your life. The truth here is that Jesus doesn't condone any of our sin. Now, this woman's sin was out in, in, in the front so everyone can see. And, and we can sit here in judgment of her sin. We sit here in judgment for her sin because it's not our sin. But but the reality is Jesus speaks to each one of us. See, see, see our sin might be the sin of gossip. Or our sin might be uh, might be the sin of anger. We might have struggles with anger. Or our sin might be be, be one of our thoughts. Our thoughts go directions that they shouldn't go. Or or our our sin might be our words. We use language that that we shouldn't use, or our sin might be the sin of lack of faith, or of selfishness, or covetousness. Uh, Jesus doesn't condone this lady's sin, but but understand from this text that as he speaks to her, he's speaking to us too. Because our sin may be, may not be like hers, but Jesus speaks to us in the very same way. He challenges us through through his word. He challenges us through through his scripture. He challenges us through other people's words, through song, through his Holy Spirit. Jesus talks to our sin as well. Uh, so, 
so we see that Jesus looked at her and he saw her pattern. Her, her pattern lived out a certain way. She was trying to find meaning and hope and purpose, and, and, and that led to failed relationships. He saw the pattern. And then what happens next is he sees her pivot. He, he saw her pivot. Notice what happens in verses 19 and 20. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on, worshiped on the mountain where you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. She, she completely changes the, the subject. She completely pivots and takes it away from what Jesus had just pointed out. Hey, you've got a thirst in your soul and it's, it's being shown this way. She pivots away from that and starts talking about something else. I, I hear, I hear it said that, that you, you guys worship in, in Jerusalem and we, Worship here. She pivots away from that. Why do you think it? And if you look on at the text, Jesus never goes back to her sin. He never goes back and, and, and talks again like, well, let's talk a little bit more about these five marriages. Let's talk a little bit more about this living relationship. What, why do you think, and, and, and go ahead and answer here if you will. What, why do you think Jesus didn't steer her back to the topic that he was on? What, why did Jesus not change the subject back? She pivoted away. And it, and it looks like Jesus let her do it. Why didn't Jesus pivot her back to where to what he was talking about? Anyone? I'm asking because I don't know the answer. I'm just curious if you guys do. You might give me some insight here. Why do you think Jesus didn't steer her back to the, the topic they were talking about? Anyone? I know that's, a, that's not an easy question. You can't just say Jesus or church. Um, why do you think Jesus didn't steer her back? Anyone? Didn't want to feel judged. I like that answer. I need to write that down. Not, make that put that in your notes. Didn't want to feel judged. Great answer. Right. Wow, that's good. Already, if you didn't hear, already forgiven her. Already forgot about it. Moved on. Perfect. Anyone else? Okay. He wanted her to come to him on. On, on her terms, or, or from, let me put that another way, from where she was, not where he wanted to say, no, we've got to be here first, from where she was, okay? Now, Jesus could have read her the riot act. He could have let her know about her sin. He could have quoted Old Testament scriptures. In fact, he could have quoted New Testament stuff that he'd already said about, uh, you know, about that kind of stuff. I, I'll be honest, great answers there, and I, I think those are as good as any I could have come up with. I'm I'm not sure really why he didn't, but I do know what he did. So I'm not sure why he didn't, but I do know what he ended up doing. See, what happened here is she saw him point. He could have talked about her sin. He could have brought it up. No, 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 no. Let's not change the subject here. Let's talk about what's going on with you. But instead, we see Jesus' point. He pointed not to who she was or who she had been, but to who she could become because of him. So instead of preaching about her past, Jesus pointed her to her purpose. Instead of preaching about her failure, Jesus pointed to the future. Instead of preaching about her sin, Jesus pointed to her salvation. Instead of preaching about her mistakes, Jesus pointed to her mission. Instead of preaching about her shortcoming, Jesus pointed to his sonship. Instead of preaching about her garbage, Jesus pointed to his grace. Instead of preaching about her, her baggage, Jesus pointed to his blessing. Instead of preaching about her troubles, he pointed to his truth. Instead of preaching about her smallness, Jesus pointed to his 
spirit. I, I would, I would suggest that, that in a way, Jesus really didn't allow her to pivot at all. That, that the, 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 the subject stayed on point because he talked about what she needed. Look, look with me as, as we finish, uh, these, these texts and these thoughts this morning in verse 21. Jesus declared, so, so she just pivoted away and this is what he said. Uh, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. That got her attention. Okay. You guys do it in Jerusalem. We do it here. Now you're saying, hey, neither one's right. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. And uh, we worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So, so what he's what he's offering her there is is inclusion. He's this is, this is who God wants. God is spirit, and His worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. Now, now look down in verse twenty six. At the end, Jesus declared to her, "I who you speak of am He. I am the one who I'm talking about here who offers this." Instead of pointing out what she had done wrong, Jesus pointed out that she could be right. Right with God, right with herself, right with His will. See, Jesus was Jesus was being relevant. This lady at the well didn't need someone to condone her sin. She didn't need someone to say, "It's okay, just just do what you're doing. Just try to do a couple nice things on top of that. Just be sure to go to church." And but but what you're doing, so he he didn't say that. And that's not what she needed to hear. She needed someone to give her hope that she didn't have to stay in her sin. See, our nature is to stay. Our nature is to stay in our sin. Our nature is to go back to what's easy and what we know. See, that was what was really going on with her. She kept going back to the same thing, the same effort to find meaning and purpose, the the same same type of way through through other people, through relationships, having someone show her some respect or, or, or show her some notice. And she kept going back to that over and over and over again. And yet her life was still empty. She was still thirsting for meaning in her life. And, and, and so Jesus points out her sin. He doesn't condone it. We'll, we'll look next week. The obvious is then he doesn't condemn her either. And we'll see that. But, but the nature is to stay there. Our, our nature is, is like what we see in this text. Jesus saw her pattern. I, man, we follow that pattern all the time. Jesus saw what she did. She, she tried to pivot away from, from even thinking about what was really going on. But, but then she saw what Jesus did. Jesus pointed out who he really was and what was going on. Drew Sherman, we'll close with this thought. Drew Sherman, Drew Sherman is a, a pastor in Dallas. Uh, uh, he tells a story of a time he was having a, a group of men over to to his house for a gathering, and, and and for that gathering, he had his wife, or his wife offered to bake some cookies. So she baked about six or eight dozen of chocolate chip cookies and had them ready. And he said she she makes wonderful cookies, and so he was excited that she made the cookies. So they had their 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 meeting, and when it was all over, the guys just hadn't eaten all the cookies. There were there were about a dozen cookies left over. And, and so as he was helping her clean up and he took the tray of cookies into the kitchen counter and set them on the counter, 
He, he saw them and he reached for, for, for a couple cookies because you never reach for one. He reached for a couple cookies and she slapped his hand and she said, you don't need any more cookies. And, and uh, he gave her the you know, sad look and, oh, come on, honey. And she said, okay, you can eat one. So uh, that's kind of sound familiar. <laughs> so, so, so he took the one, picked the biggest one he could find. He took that one cookie and ate it. And, and then he watched almost in horror as she took the other 11 cookies, put them in a Ziploc bag, sealed it, opened the trash can and dropped them in. You, of course, she's sitting there looking. She said, we don't need to eat these cookies. I think that's wasteful. I think you really shouldn't throw food away. <laughs> that's how. That's why I end up eating those. But anyway, uh, so he said, so she throws them away. He said the next morning he got up early and his wife was still in bed and he went into the kitchen and he sat down with his Bible and he opened it up and began to, to do his Bible study and, and devotion for the morning. And his mind immediately went to the trash can. There's cookies. They were sealed up in a Ziploc bag. I don't care they were in the trash. They're, they're okay. So he reaches in the trash can and takes out the Ziploc bag and he says, I'm about on my fifth cookie. When, when I, I, I sense her presence before I see her, I look up and she's standing in the doorway with her hands on her hips. And, and he said, she only said two words to me. She said this, guys, have you ever heard this? Really? Seriously? <laughs> she came over as he shoveled that last bit of cookie in his mouth, took the, the last three or four that were left over, put them back in the Ziploc bag, walked outside and threw them in the trash can outside for the trash to be picked up, which wasn't that day. He said, uh, she, she then came in and scolded him and, you know, as he wiped the cookie crumbs off his face. Said, I, said, I went to the, the, my office that morning and worked, and I, I came home about 6 o'clock that evening and said, as I got out of my car, I walked by the trash can. And he said, I paused. Those cookies were there. They're in a Ziploc bag. He, he lives in Dallas. It was hot that day. They'll be warm. <laughs> There's milk inside. He, he said he thought he, his, uh, his spirit got the best of him. He, he, he understood, hey, I shouldn't do this. And he walked on past and, and didn't eat the cookies. He said, said it, it made me think of this point, this simple, simple idea, is that we often always go back to our trash. We turn back to our trash. And isn't that what we see in this story? Jesus was speaking to the, the sin in this lady's life. And it wasn't that he really was speaking to the sexual sin. It was, it was the sin that she kept returning to her trash. She, she, she kept trying to find purpose in the wrong people, in the wrong person, in the wrong way, in the wrong thinking. She, she was going back to the chocolate chip cookies. And, and, and you see this morning that you're in this story. You see this morning that, that I'm in this story. Maybe our, maybe our sin is different. Maybe our, our methods are different. Maybe our pattern is different. But, but don't we, like this lady, return back to our garbage oftentimes? Just like she did. And so Jesus spoke to her and he offered her living water. Jesus spoke to her and he said, I will give you something that will satisfy, that will satisfy the true longing of your heart. Jesus said, no, me. Father, we thank you this morning.
that we can that we can have a satisfaction in our soul. Father, it's so easy for us to want to turn back to what's easy and to turn back to what we know. Father, it's so easy for us to turn back to the garbage and the pain and the baggage and the disappointments in our life. Jesus offered this lady living water. He said there is something that you can drink of and when you do, you will never thirst again. Father, Help us understand that He was speaking not just to her, but Father, You were speaking to us through Your Son. That that same reality is offered to us, that we can know a satisfaction when we put our trust and our hope in Jesus. When we take of that living water, that living water that satisfies in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here this morning and your, your soul is thirsty, if you're here this morning and it seems like You can't break away from going back to the trash can to pull out the garbage of your life. If you're here this morning, know that Jesus has a simple simple request of you. Jesus has a simple answer. Um, Just drink. Drink of the water that will satisfy you. Would you come as we stand and sing?